It's March, which means it's National Social Worker Month! Join us today as we have Brandy and myself, Megan, licensed clinical social workers, talking about all things social work and mental health, and Laura's along for the ride to keep us focused and connected and bring real life to mental health. episode of It's Okay to Not Be Okay, and this is a very special episode because it is March, which means it is Social Worker Month. Woo-hoo! means nothing to me, but it means two things to my dear friends. Well, I guess it does. It helps me wait, wait, pay the bills. I don't know. But <laughs> we, <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a few social workers at LCS now, so along with Megan, who is a social worker. We have Brandy with us on the podcast. Hello. Our second guest of the podcast, and she's with us in person. So this banter could be interesting because we won't have any delays. (laughs) So um, what this podcast is going to look like is a little bit of like a panel discussion. I'm going to be asking them questions. We're going to get to know what a social worker is, what social work is, and then just spend some time just talking about general mental health. I don't think we've really done that. On this podcast, like, what is mental health? How do you know you're battling issues? Those kind of things that just kind of mental health 101. So let's get started. Megan, please introduce (laughs) yourself. Tell us who you are, maybe a little bit about yourself and why you became a social worker. Oh, okay. So I'm Megan. I've been on the podcast with Laura. (laughs) Um, So I'm a licensed clinical social worker which means I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a a master's degree um, in social work from UCF. Aren't you from UCF too? Yep. Yes, go Knights. Um, And so after you finish your master's in social work, you are a registered intern. You have to get 1,500 hours with clients, and then you can become licensed in the state of Florida. So I took that path. Honestly, I knew I wanted to do something in mental health. but So there's three degrees that you can – three tracks that you can do. You can do social work, you can do mental health, and you can do marriage and family. So marriage and family and mental health, like you have to pretty much become a therapist. Social work, you have like a lot of avenues you can walk down. Like you can work, I've worked in a nursing home. You can um, work with DCF, Department of Children and Families. You can do home studies. There's just like a lot more avenues. And I wasn't married yet. I didn't know like where I'd end up or if I wanted to just be a therapist. So I, I kind of chose social work just because I felt like it left a lot of doors open. I think there's a lot you can do in the church also with social work. Um, And then two, the social work theory, and maybe we'll talk about a little bit, is really understanding a person in the environment that they're in. And I, like, that's close to my heart. I think people are impacted by all the different settings that they interact with in life. And so I love the theory of social work, which is called person and environment. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, that's why I walked down this road. Brandy, tell us who you are, a little bit about, you've never been on this podcast before, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you became a social worker. Okay, well, so I'm Brandy Wadley. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm also the community services coordinator here at LCS. Um, I am married to my husband. This month will be 18 years together and 11 married. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
Long time. You're going to keep them? I think so. <laughs> okay. I'm just wondering. We're, we're this far, I think. <laughs> I think we're going to continue. We'll see, though. <laughs> I have two boys. I have a seven-year-old and almost a three-year-old. Um, and so the reason why I became a social worker, I decided at a really young age I wanted to do something in the psychology field um, and that I wanted to help people. Um, so I got my bachelor's in psychology as well. And then afterwards, I started working at um, a local not-for-profit, um, helping homeless women with their children. And my supervisor actually was a social worker, so she kind of showed me the ropes and told me all the things, great things about social worker. And I kind of found out, I've kind of fell in love with it. And I was like, you know, what? I want to do this. So I went back and got my master's degree um, at UCF. At UCF. Go Knights again. Yes. Just saying. Yes. Um, so yeah, I kind of just. This is what, it matched my purpose and what I wanted to do in life and went from there. How many years have you been doing, when did you, not I, to age us, <laughs> but you already say how long you were married. Uh, well, yeah. I graduated in 2013. So with your master's? With my master's. Okay. Degree. So that's. I can't do that math. What is that? I'm a therapist. Ten years. Ten years. Oh, that was easy math. <laughs> Ten, yeah. Ten years. Yep. I graduated in 2007 with my master's. But then you got, you all had to start your internship. So you weren't licensed for what another Right, we wouldn't have been year. licensed for that long, but we've been in the field for that long. <clears throat> I've actually been in the field 13. You've been then longer because yeah. you were working before. Yeah. yeah. I went back to back. So I like got a bachelor's and got a master's, but you got a bachelor's and then... Worked in the field. Worked in the field and then yeah. got a master's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when I started LCS during the like staff meetings, I think it was like you and Mary Jo we're yep. the only social workers. I'm like, what is it? I, I never understood the difference. I don't think I fully, like you gave the explanation, so you took away kind of one of my, my questions. But now we have, it's probably divided in half between social workers and marriage and family. Well, there's not very many marriage and family. It's more mental health. Mental health. So basically they all operate off of a different kind of like theory, mm-hmm. um, but we all do the same work. Yeah. I mean, we're all, you kind of just like trained, like marriage and family have a lot more training with like couples and families, but mm-hmm. social workers do a lot, even mental health does a lot with families and workers. I don't know, there's just like this competitive banter <laughs> amongst us. And I think that social workers, I mean, we get a whole month to celebrate social workers. Yeah, so. we're a national organization, I mean. Yeah. I mean, rumor has that April's mental health. Someday. Somebody said that, that April is mental health, so yeah. maybe we have to invite them on the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> All this to say, though, if you come to LCS and you meet with a therapist, whether they're social work or licensed mental health therapist, you will get the help you need. Yes. 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 We're all trained in yes therapy and different tactics and... Uh, so no one's better than the other. <laughs> I would say the one piece about social work is we're trained to write like um, pretty deep like assessments, like pretty deep mm-hmm. summaries of a person. They call it a biopsychosocial. And so yeah. there's just some more training in, in that assessment piece at times. Because social, social work outside of like a mental health office, you're more <laughs> like in the nitty gritty like. Yeah. If yeah. someone called Child Protective Services, yep. that would yep. be a social worker that's in there like yes, yep. the kind of. Not and so does pretty a lot, cases. And does a lot more in-home stuff. I was going to say. Not that marriage and family or mental health can't, but social workers are trained to do a lot more yeah. in-home. 
we also go off like strength based. So when we're working with the family system, we really focus on like doing strength based perspective. Like it's a like I didn't even know it wasn't a thing until I got around more, like mental health counselors and marriage and family, and like it's innate now for us to use strength based. Yeah. And so when other people are like, oh, like this is I'm doing this, and I'm like, but what about strength based? Like <laughs> it's just like something that is ingrained in us, and I which think is just like focusing on the client's strength. Yeah. And helping them build off of their strengths. Or their family system, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think you guys have covered what social work is. If I'm missing anything, fill in any of the blanks in your next answers. But each year during Social Work Month, they focus on a theme. And so this year the theme is social workers are breaking barriers. So why is social work important and how are social workers breaking barriers? Well, so I believe social work is important because we are trained to deal with the world's problems individually with families, but collective as a community. So when we talk social work, we look at that micro level and then we look at that micro, the macro level. So our family systems versus our community systems. And so we try to work within the whole system in order to make that change. Um, and that's what I really love about social work. I can be like doing therapy for one minute and then the next being in the community and working on um, breaking barriers as far as like changing the system so that we can serve people better. Yeah, I think there's a lot in social work and I and I will say the other disciplines too, but like advocating for like laws or like ethics within our community or just um, we've seen a lot of social workers, I think, in the LGBTQ plus community, like advocating for language and rules and like inclusion and education. Um, so really, like when you go down the social work track, you are studying things at a micro level and a macro level. And that's language they use all the time. Um, and I do think, too. Like social workers, there were some laws passed in Florida recently just about um, like how we practice as registered interns and how we can do things. And social workers are like, whoa, 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 if you make this rule at a macro level, you're going to impact the services that we can give to individuals. So I think social workers are lobbying a lot um, for bigger things in the community. But then, too, like when we meet with clients, I think we're trained a little bit more to make sure we're connecting you to resources. Like social workers are are trained to be advocators for clients. And so sometimes like I think we have to check our boundaries and making sure that we're not working harder than the client is, but like making sure like they're connected to the resources that they need within the community. Like that's been a big piece too, I think, is the advocating for clients in the social work field. And for those advocating for those laws for for our individuals and family systems too. I yeah. agree. I completely agree. We we really I think we also in our ethics and our laws, we're hold to a higher standard in the sense that we have thirty seven, I think it was, um, ethics and standards and laws that we have to abide by as clinicians in the social work. And I when I was doing the training they were saying like we're the only ones that have thirty something. <laughs> thirty seven <laughs> rules of ethics. Yeah. 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 Um which is a lot, but also, like, really helpful. And, and it goes back to, like, again, we're helping the community as well as just individual and family. Like, I almost want to, like, from the social work field, like, comparing it a little bit to the church, right, of that piece of, like, we want to be sitting with you one-on-one, and then we want to have our foot in the community uh, of, like, what the needs are around us. 
Okay, so maybe church how we should be doing church. Maybe not how all churches do church, but like how we should be doing church. Um, that's why I think like a social worker on a on a church campus at times would be yeah. great mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely. definitely. <clears throat> it's interesting as you guys are talking, Mary Jo had sent me something uh, for one of our social media posts, but it was a history of social work. And one, the first, this would be your quiz. Who was the first social worker? What was her name? Oh, come on. Uh, I don't know. What was her name? Very basic. I Jane. Was, I was going to say Jane, but I don't know. Jane Adams. Jane Adams. Jane Adams? 1935. She was a Chicago spinster. Yeah. So she Ooh. was past the age of being married. But it was interesting because she wanted to change the living conditions of families living in crowded neighborhoods in Chicago. So she her people led classes in hygiene, nutrition, cooking, sewing, basic education, and gardening. So that kind of goes to what you are yeah. talking about, that social workers are just like in with the people and care about their basic, not that other mental health don't, but basic care about the basic needs and mm-hmm. maybe don't mind getting like into the nitty gritty right. of things to like, let's, what is it? If you t- give a kid a fish, she'll eat for a day. If you teach a kid to fish, she'll live forever, whatever. What's that? I don't know. Yes. But it's just those basic trainings of those, I don't know, like not homemaker skills, but like core skills that you need to like be a human you know like I've sat with clients on like here's how you look up how to find insurance mm-hmm. right and here's how you call a doctor's office and make an appointment like some of those basic things that like I don't know if you weren't raised in a good home like nobody sat with you and did that so I think that's a core piece of social work is to teach you those there's a word for it I can't think about it but like Just a home skills. economics kind of yeah. like social yeah. Skills. Basic skills. Yeah, basic yeah. skills yeah basic skills life skills yeah yeah Okay, anything else on social work? I mean, we're the best. <laughs> I mean, I agree, but <laughs> I, so, think, I think we're really good at, though, like, and even in this practice, we're really good at working with other um, modalities and theories and other um, mm-hmm. clinicians, too, because we realize that we need everybody, every, all hands on deck, because... We might not be the right person for a specific family system or individual. So we really try to collaborate. Collaboration is always like our number one top priority is collaborate with our partners, collaborate with our individuals, our families, our community. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, we've said Mary Jo's name a couple of times. So Mary Jo Horde is a licensed clinical social worker. She's been in the Orlando community I don't know. I want to say eons. She probably won't like that. But she's been with LCS literally. She probably won't be listening to this. She probably <laughs> she probably won't know how to find this, but that's fine. Um, but she's been with LCS since, I mean, I think she's been with us almost 32, 34 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, very first social worker we had. And like a prominent, I would say, too, African-American woman in this community. And I think in the social work field, and I could be wrong, but I would wonder the stats on I think there's a lot more diversity in social workers, like ethnic diversity. Um, And so she she was my supervisor, my clinical supervisor, and she just from the very core was like, we're social workers and we're proud to be social workers. And she kind of started all this banter about social work versus mental health and marriage and family. But that is why Megan is the way she is. I now <laughs> know. I blame Mary Jo. <laughs> yeah. No, and she knows everything. I feel she like does. She just, you ask her a question and she just doesn't even have to look it up. She just tells, yeah. Yeah. Very smart woman. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Her yeah. experience is <clears throat> unmatched. Yep. 
Okay, so now the rest of this episode, I don't know how much time we have left to be respectable, respectful of your time, but we've just never really, I feel like mental health can be intimidating. When you hear mental health, I think it is becoming more relevant in our culture. We're seeing in our offices as our client numbers are skyrocketing, Mm -hmm. people are wanting to get the help, but I still think you see suicide rates are going up. And there's all these mental health issues that it's still just such a taboo topic. So I thought we'd just spend a few minutes. Let's just like make normalize mental health. So question number one, what is mental health? So for me, mental health is your wellness within your mind and your brain. So I think when we talk about mental health, I really think about what our brain is doing, what functions it has, how is it wired. We're looking at that neuroscience part of um, people and trying to explain it and trying to understand it, um, which is very new aged, by the way. Um, I don't think we had as much information way back when in 1935. So it's really changed the way that we um, do our work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, like, social-emotional responses to things around you um, would be core mental health for me. I think the way that your brain responds to things, and not just because, not only because your brain was created that way, but also because your brain is impacted by all the experiences that you have. So I can respond to something one way, and Brandy or Laura would respond so differently. Um, So our brain is plastic right they call it neuroplastic and it's ever-changing based on how we interact with people or the traumas that we have so I agree that like social emotional wellness within us that is just like so closely tied with I think spiritual Mm -hmm. and like how our body functions too so when we talk about mental health it is that piece of your self-talk how emotions are coming up within you what you're expressing out loud to other people around you so after now, now that you defined it, my next question, and I have, a, I will get into it. You didn't look up the definition on Webster's dictionary no, because I'm with the experts. Okay, oh lord, <laughs> I'm with the people, I don't know the experts. I'm but. with the people that do this for a living. <laughs> no, I want to make it real. So I feel like obviously we talked about it. There's a stigma around mm-hmm. mental health, and I wonder if it goes back to when Jane Addams was doing all this work. There was just, like, if you had something that was off, I feel like you were thrown in a psych ward. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had to look it up, but I don't know if you guys have watched on Netflix Ratched or Ratcheted. It's, like, I a couple it. years ago, but there's this – it's perfect timing. In 1947, Mildred Ratched begins working as a nurse at a leading psychiatric hospital, but she's crazy, too. But watching that episode or that show was, like, insane. But some of these people – were not really insane. They just did not know what to do with them. So I don't know if that's where the stigma happened, but like briefly, why do you think there's a stigma well, around mental health? Yeah, I just don't think there was enough education. We didn't have enough information. I mean, again, looking at the brain, now we can do scans. We can see the actual trauma in your brain or the things that you're struggling with in your brain. And so it... it it just wasn't recognized. I mean, this field is only 150 years old, basically. Um, so for me, I think it's just like 
we we just didn't have the information and I think now that we are talking about it we're discussing it and people are relating to it um we're hoping that rids this the stigma because you're right back then we didn't have enough information and they weren't always treated well um and I think that's the fear is that we're gonna get labeled we're gonna have a diagnosis we're not gonna be treated well because it's seen as something that's negative and not helpful to society which isn't true I think for a long time in history, it's been like, this is what a normal person looks like. This is how they live their life, male or female. Like, these are your normal way of functioning. And it's just like, I think we've been able to say that is not true. Mm -hmm. There is no normal, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you're impacted by the things that have gone on around you and the environments that you've grown up in, person and environment, right? And so... To raise one type of functioning up and say this is normal and all the rest of you are crazy is just detrimental. So I think for a while our our society operated that way. I think now we can say that like we have a diverse set of people around us and nobody for one is normal, <laughs> right? And no, and we all function differently. And I'm just I think we've talked about this on this podcast several times of like I'm just at a place of saying. You know, if you're having a rough day, you're having a rough day. If if you've been impacted by things or you've walked through things, these are the things that you've walked through. And this is not just how you are, but the things that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we're an ever-changing people. And I don't think we can raise up one set of people anymore and say they're all normal and the rest of you are crazy. I think we're all a certain level of crazy, although I hate using that word. Um, and we have to learn how to function in healthy ways. And so I think the stigma came from that. And now I think all of the world is like, we're all crazy and we all need to get better. And so now we've opened these doors and said, here's an avenue for that. And I think a ton of people are taking advantage of it. Yeah. Is there anything else we could do to normalize mental health? I I just feel like there's this, as you see these, Celebrity, like I remember after Twitch, the, yeah. after he committed suicide, or all these, there's some other, something that I just saw yesterday, and I'm working on writing a proposal, and you look at the statistics, and like the younger age demographic, it's so high, and like you see the suicide numbers being posted, but clearly there's an issue. How can we normalize, like, what else can we do to like normalize yeah, stop, mental health? Stop pretending like you're happy all the time. Nobody is actually happy all the time. Like, just... Stop it. That's my thing. Like, take off the mask. Like, if you're having a shitty day, say you have a shitty day. Like, you know, if you're struggling, if you're angry, or if you're happy too, like, just be a lot more authentic. And then it won't make the rest of us feel like we're abnormal because we're not happy all the time. I mean, those people drive me crazy. I am happy all the time. You are not happy all the time. (laughs) No one can be happy all the time. Even our little kiddos. Yeah. What do you think, Brandy? How do we stop that? You know, I think it's continuing the discussions, putting out information on social media. I think a lot of people are using social media as a platform to explain their experiences and looking up information and so that when you are struggling with something, you're not alone. And so having that connection and being able to just know that like you're not alone, I think is a huge piece mm-hmm. of... Like, you're not the only one that's suffering. You're not the only one that's struggling with working, being a working parent and trying to parent your kids and all the generational things that are happening. It's, it's happened to all of us, especially this pandemic. I mean, it happened to all of us. And so there are impacts. And just being able to realize that, like, no one's perfect and no one will ever be perfect. 
And there's not this, we're not going to like do these formulas and get to a place where like we coast smoothly for the rest of our lives in a happy like society. Like that's just not life. And so I think it's being honest about the ups and the downs and like, hey, I'm doing good. Hey, I've fallen off of doing good. I'm going to get back on track, but we're never going to get to this. I know it sounds like horrid, but we're never going to get to this place where like, I'm just going to be happy for the rest of my days. Like that's just not reality. And so I think we have to stop, like, throwing it up there like it is. Mm -hmm. I go back to Twitch because I love Twitch. I follow Twitch all the time. I love the dances that they were doing. But then if you go look back now, they're always good. Like, they were always happy and smiling and dancing. And, like, that's just not Well, that's not real. But then you go to social media, and I think there's a lot of good things that are happening with it because it's becoming more open, but also... What are we really seeing? Right. Like, yeah. you don't always post the bad stuff. Yeah. Right. And if you do, like, it's interesting watching the different reactions to, like, the things that I post. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, like, if I'm posting something that, like, people are like, ooh, it doesn't get as many likes. But you post me doing, like, a dance, and they're like, ooh, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's just different. It's, it's hard, and it's scary thinking about, like, raising kids in this generation, like, where there's so much information. Yeah, yeah, and how you have to look and behave and... Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing, like, if our goal is likes, too. Like, I think we're skewed, right? And yeah. so, I know if you're running a business off of social media, that's hard. But I do think, like, I follow people that are more authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I can't stand the happy all the time mm-hmm. pieces. They're, they're hard for me. When I uh, started working at LCS, I know that, like, I don't really have mental health background I, I I had sat in Rick's office I was a client I remember calling and shaking and I literally sat in his chair and just started sobbing my issues were not even really that big of a deal I just didn't even I didn't want to be a teacher and that scared me right but as someone like who came from like I didn't really know anyone that battled mental health issues like it wasn't really talked about like in any of the groups that I was in it was weird to like when I was working to tell people where I was working Mm-hmm. and what I was doing mm-hmm. and even now like there's sometimes right like I am more open about it because I feel like if you become more open about it it just kind of like calms people down and there's even some parents and now that they know that I work here they're like oh how do I get services you know and just being that like safe place and normalizing like hey it's okay that your daughter has anxiety like there's resources that will help her mm-hmm. kind of thing and I feel like as as you talk about it in a normal way, not like, oh, your daughter's anxious at school, what's wrong, you know, that kind of thing, whereas we just have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I get it all the time. I'll say something because I have no filter, and they'll be like, but aren't you a therapist? And I'll be like, yes, and I see my own therapist. Like, just because I'm a therapist doesn't mean I'm, like, the model of health by any means, right? And so I do think it is, like, normalizing it some. And, and I think Brandy and I both are like, we're not experts, like, we share our experience. We're educated in this way. I don't think it always makes us experts per se. Like mm-hmm. that to me says like I have a formula or I have a solution for you. And we've talked about that on here before. Like that is not what therapy is mm-hmm. by any means. So I think those are important things to keep throwing out there. If you come to therapy, they're not just going to write you a prescription that says get better and walk you out. Like, right. No. It could be couple, no. We've talked about that. Couple like, weeks of therapy. It could be months. You could be meeting. I mean, you both have clients on your schedules that you meet with weekly. on a weekly, monthly basis yeah. for years now. I've been I'm with like, my therapist for ten years. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've seen my own therapist for that long. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I think a lot of times, now that you brought that up, I think a lot of times people do think, like, because I'm in the field or you're in the field that we we know all the answers and know all the things and we're the experts and that's so untrue. There's so much information that is being brought up daily, weekly, monthly, and we, we just try to stay on top of it so that we know what the, the information is so we can relay it and um, help our clients as best as we can. But um, everyone struggles. Everyone has family dysfunction. Everyone is in the same boat. And I think the more we say that, and the more that we talk about it, like you were saying, and the more open people are to mm-hmm. being this, being, <clears throat> being honest. Mm-hmm. How much time do I have? You get one more question. Oh. <laughs> I'll just pick wisely. One <laughs> run-on sentence. <laughs> I don't know. I googled all like what are the top questions about mental health. I guess I will throw two together because one is self, one is about other people. You can answer them briefly. How do you know if you're battling a mental health issue, and what could you do if you're worried about a family member that you think is battling a mental health issue? So just, like, awareness. So I would say um, not wanting to connect with others, um, Mm -hmm. not being able to care for yourself, um, and just, like, going through the motions of life is probably a red flag to, to start assessing yourself whether or not you're struggling with something. Um, and then uh, as far as a family member or a friend, uh, actually a lot of times we are the ones that see it first, the families and the friends. And it's really just trying to communicate in a way that they can um, be empowered to get help themselves. We can't make anyone come to counseling. We can't make anyone get help. They have to be ready for this process. And so really just trying to have that hard conversation and, and helping them become aware of like, hey, it looks like from the outside coming in, like there's some things going on. Like, do you want to talk about it? Like having those resources available, um, like, oh, like, oh, LCS, like I can get you connected there or wherever else, you know, um, helping them call or helping them find a place um, is really the best way that we can help our family members or our friends. For me personally, and, and I'll just speak for me, I know I'm struggling with mental health when I'm giving bigger reactions to a situation than it calls for. And I think when I see that in other people, like, you know, like I ask a question and then like, boom, I get like blasted. Like when we're when we're just incongruent, if that makes sense. And I would say that in your reactions or like if you're noticing in people like they're talking about something that should make them happy, but like their face and their demeanor never matches the emotion that they're talking about. To me, that's a big indicator of like, Something's off here or something's not right. I would also say if you've had a big trauma, if you've had multiple losses recently, which like welcome to the world, um, then there's probably just something that would be helpful to sit and talk with somebody about. As far as getting people services, um, I know there's a theory out there that like two, like three or four people need to say something to you for you to actually like respond and take action. So if you're noticing that and think it would be helpful, like be bold and say it quickly so that those other people can come up behind them and say it as well. Because I do think it takes people multiple times to hear it to be like, oh, maybe this should be something that I seek out. And then know in our world right now, if you're going to try to find a mental health therapist um, or a social worker or a marriage and family therapist, um, it's hard. Like it's hard to get in. I'm not going to lie. It's there's long waits. Um, you know, 
Technology can help you in some ways. I always refer people to Psychology Today. It'll tell you who's taking clients based on your insurance and in your area and stuff. It's a good search tool. But um, get on it soon because it could be like a three to four week wait before you can get in an office. And so um, I think just be bold and say it and then um, let other people come up behind you and say it as well. This is a good discussion. We could probably keep this going. We probably for did. a while, but we will wrap it up to respect your time. So thank you, Brandy, for coming on. Thank you. Maybe it's been we'll a pleasure. do another mental health one with some mental health therapists, and you can become a panel with me, Megan, as we talk <laughs> about that. But I do think it's important to continue the conversation of mental health, and I do think yeah. there's more to discuss. So maybe in April, when we honor the other therapists, we can. But social work month comes first. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> social worker. But I do wanna preface it made me think with uh, Megan's comment. If there's something serious going on, there are resources for you. Like mm-hmm. this National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, you just dial 988, it's like 911. There's 24 hours a day. So if there is a serious issue, I get that mental health is hard to come by, but if there's a serious issue, there are resources out there. LCS does have a resource page. Yes, but what is the An on-call. On-call. Lost my word. We'll share Um, some links too, like uh, especially like Psychology Today, how to find a therapist, um, and other just links that could be helpful in that. So, yeah. Well, happy March, happy Social Work Month, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.